Aloha. And we're back. Two, two, two. All aboard. It's Fork Buddies. <laughs> Fork Buddies episode 1.2. Okay. Because, you know, we've already kind of uh, experimented around last night with with uh, this streaming app known as Acorn, Anchor. I was a little and, concerned, um, you know. I was a little concerned after the fact because when you played it back initially and it started echoing, I'm like, gosh, that's that's an hour and a half of what I thought was pretty good, pretty good uh, content, possibly down the drain. But yeah, so you salvaged like it's it. you salvaged it. It was like an hour and seventeen minutes of just pure echoes and like our voices going in and out and, you know, stuff that would obviously aggravate anyone that's ever going to listen to it. I have but, no idea what happened with the microphone at the end, by the way. Really? Yeah, me either, because nothing changed. Like, yeah. you'd, gotten up, you'd gotten up that once once or twice maybe, but nothing had changed, like, from your, like, hook in or anything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as stumped about that as you are. But anyway, well, so... So I guess, you know, back to the introductory phase of the podcast, some that have already listened to this will probably maybe <coughs> feel like it's a little bit monotonous, but mm-hmm. I think we both can promise that maybe we'll go off a little bit deeper on like our tangents of the certain topics that we've already discussed um, sure. last night. But um, I guess for everyone that would be listening for the first time, uh, my name's Fland and my partner to down the street for me is J bone, the J bone. And Hey man, I was like, I was, I was thinking to myself, like it's, it's hard for me to, uh, I guess, introduce myself to people yeah. because I have a small tight new, like tight knit group of people that I already just associate with. Yeah. And I, when, when you introduced yourself last night, we laughed about it and we said, uh, I said, I said my full name and then you said J and I was like, oh, leave it up to the imagination for the listeners. And then that, that got me my mind brewing this morning. I was like, I was like, where did his uh, nickname originate from? Dude, I don't even know. I, don't, I have no, like, you, you were the only one to ever call me Jay. And then it, um, it other people just kind of picked it up. Yeah, but, it kind of stuck, mostly, right? Well, it, oddly enough, or I guess not oddly enough, however you look at it, it's only people that i know through you call me jay no one no one no one because the only other nickname i ever heard you called was by your mother and it's just just yeah 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 yeah. that was it like no one anyone else called anyone that ever i heard like when we were younger anyone that ever talked to you they they called you justin yeah they called you by your full name or it's, maybe like sprad or spradling i think some of your like high school buddies or middle school buddies maybe called you sprad that is true. In high school, everybody called me Jay Sprad. Yeah, just, Jay Sprad. I remember. Which, and I was like, dude, that's just too like I don't I know. It. it just didn't it, it didn't ring onto my it. ear. Yeah, I can I can see why. <laughs> and, and stupid me on my uh, the yearbook I got my senior year, uh, they engraved your name on it for free. Yeah. And I guess I was thinking like go for continuity, and that way you'll never forget. And I had them engrave it J Sprad, which <laughs> I really don't know how I feel about it. Like if today I'm remorseful about that, maybe I should have just had them do my my full name. 
Do you remember right. exactly when I called you Jay for the first time? Um, because I don't actually. I was just trying to think about it. Maybe, maybe. So, you remember uh, AOL Instant Messenger? Yeah, everyone sure I'm sure remembers AIM that to some extent. AIM. Oh yeah, the away messages. The... <laughs> oh yeah, such a, a such a, a weird way to communicate, but everyone did it. Oh, it was the it was the early text message. Yeah, hundred percent. But um, we I think I had gotten in trouble with that at home. My my parents <laughs> my parents didn't want me on that for whatever. I was talking to too many chicks, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you were a real ladies' man back then. Well, we found really a, slaying uh, the hood rats. That's right. We we found a way around it though. We. Uh, we started playing pool on Yahoo Games, yep. and it had yep. this chat feature to it. Yes, it did. And I think when I think you were at my house when you when you created the profile or, or whatever that you needed to play the the Yahoo pool. Yep. And you made my name. Do you remember what you made it? No. <laughs> you made you made it J to the Izzo. Ah. Uh- <laughs> So awesome. I think, awesome. I think based on that, it kind of it kind of branched from J to Izzo to what it is now, J. I feel like there might be ties to like backyard baseball with that too, because you had to create a character, and that maybe I possibly called you. No, you didn't. J in that you didn't create a character. We had you like managed a, a like you know the little team. We yeah, had, we had the. Um, JRS RJF bombers or something I don't remember, but uh, <laughs> fun. That was, yes. Talk about a game that I could play that now and be totally satisfied. Oh, one hundred percent. It was it was way before its time. I mean, it fit in the time frame, but it was like it was so enjoyable to be like a computer game for, um, like sports, like because that was just not that was unheard of. Dude, I was so into it at at one point that I had a like a, a a notebook around with just notebook paper in it. Yeah. Started writing down the stats. <laughs> like I, I would total I would, nerd I would, stuff. I would get a, I would hit. A, yeah, I would uh, get a triple with Pete Wheeler, and then I'd write down <laughs> a triple. You know, Pete Wheeler. To go back to your original point from um, that we're talking about making up names, I think I called you Jada the Izzo because obviously of the Jay Z reference, and I think that was right around that time that album had dropped. And if you remember correctly, if you remember uh, correctly, we used to listen down. We used to listen like rap music that we weren't allowed to listen to at Roquettes when his mom was gone. So we'd like blast like music that we weren't huh? allowed to listen to down there because his, his mom was never home. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they they were definitely uh up to speed. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like that's we loved it. We were we were all about it. And you know you know what? I remember I remember uh I talked my dad into buying me two thousand one <laughs> the chronic. And um this was in this was in Florida when he lived in uh, Saint Petersburg. And I don't know exactly how it led up to this point, but he had heard me i guess listening to it or or just like rapping out thinking no one was listening 
which was embarrassing in retrospect, but uh, he, we went somewhere for lunch. Like he, I was there by myself visiting him in his apartment and um, I don't know. I was kicking it 11 or 12 at the time. And um, we had gone somewhere on his lunch break to eat. And I noticed when he stopped at the gas station to get, I don't know, red man, golden blend, whatever it was he was getting. Uh, I noticed that CD in his Jeep. It, like he had taken it from where I kept it and, and hidden it in in his Jeep. So while he was in the gas station, I pocketed it, right? Swipe. And Just swipe it. Thought, oh, man, I thought I, I thought I was being so like on the DL. He's never going to know that I have this in my pocket. When I get out of the car, just play cool, just walk real casual. Maybe put your hand in your pocket on it, you know, because I was wearing cargo shorts. I stuck it in <laughs> so it was your first real answer, instance of being like a hood rat. Like you were trying to pull one over right. on your dad. But, but see, get this, get this. This is, this, is, this is where it gets interesting. I walk it into his apartment and I get in there and I, and I see, I wait and I see him leave the apartment complex through his window and drive across the street towards so you were eyeballing through the window like hardcore hawk style making sure he was not going to come back to catch you with the chronic 2001 blaring on the this the sound system right so it it had been like a week since i heard forgot about dre so (laughs) so you were you were straight fiending straight fiending for that Yeah. yeah 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 so i turned it on and I don't. I don't know what I was doing. Obviously. This was a long time ago. You know, kids, kids at this age, man, they're just yeah. they're just weird. I was. I turned that up, man. I was bopping around <laughs> in an apartment, rapping like I was Eminem, and he came through the door. He came through the door, but somehow I knew he he was like ten seconds out. I don't remember what the signal was that I knew that, but your spider um, sense went off. He walked. Yeah, and he walked in. And he walked in like he caught me and he looked at me and he goes, did you take that CD out of my, out of my Jeep? And I, I had paused it or stopped it or whatever. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, what are you talking about? What's the, you didn't take that CD that I got you? No. And he said, he kind of gave me this look and then went, okay, whatever. And then he left and went back to work. He made it either halfway to work, three fourths the way to work and then drove back to his apartment and then i thought about it later he was trying to yeah 100 percent. he was mad that you had taken it from him he went to get it and put it yeah he went to get it and put it in his cd player in his jeep couldn't find it and he was like oh and i've done the same it. exact thing your dad did i would have turned around and went back with that cd because i think at being dad yeah. life dictates that you're supposed to hop in your car when your kids are not with you and get some of the most you know obnoxious like sounding rap music that you've ever listened to and just blare it through the speakers and make it makes it makes it feel like you're still alive <laughs> can you see Paul 100 percent. remember when we used to jam out the creed in his jeep remember when we, we, yeah. we drove over to the, the well, fields was... in dubbar and jammed out the creed yeah i mean that, that was after he was uh hitting yeah you were running into the fence and shit he was feeling uh, he was feeling on top of it. Hey, I did run into that. So, so that. anyways, uh, that is one good tangent uh, conversation there. Um, but 
basically to get back to the whole gist and point of this podcast is that was a little eye opening um tale tale of our friendship and certain moments that that happened in our lives. But basically we've we're starting this Fork Buddies podcast to talk about our love for food in so many words. And if we get off the rails on topics like that, just you know, bear with us. We'll get back to food. But I think some of that, you know, just kinda happens organically because you and I you and I have been friends for oh, a long we're, time. We're going off so yeah, we're so we'll, we'll go off the rails from time to time, but I think that'll be probably more enjoyable than what we're going to talk about mostly. But anyways, so I I guess to cu- the, to bring it all the way back, um, uh, our food journeys probably started differently, but we basically started becoming you know friends because I I grew up from up the street from you, and you grew up down the street from me. And then I played baseball mm-hmm. behind your house. Actually, if you look at a compass, you are down oh, south, south of your me. of your uh, compound. But it, but 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 you are higher in elevation than me. So are you up? Are uh, you down? It's, we'll leave that up to anybody crazy. that's listening. Well, to this. Just let us know. Like, am I up? Am I down? Like, where are where are we on the the the, the map here? I think historically I've said you are okay. Up so up, the street. so I lived up and the street from you. You lived down the street from me. Uh, I'm there, down I, the I can I can go back to a time where after like little league games behind your house, like there'd be a big group bunch of kids playing like this game that was known as rundown with a tennis ball on the side of the where like the first base dugout was. And uh, oh, yeah. there'd just be Run a down. big congregation of kids just playing like after games because you remember back in that time it was like Saturdays were marathons, so literally you could play like two games and then like hang around the ball field all day long, which that's kind of what we did. We hung around the concession stand, yada yada yada, played games, just you know kid stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of how we you you came out from behind your wooded fence and you joined the rundown game. We we hung we <laughs> now, let it let it be known. My okay, so there's a baseball field behind my house, a little league field. It's a shell of what it yeah. formerly was, but uh, it has always been a, a colossal annoyance to my dad. And as such, I was not allowed to play Dunbar Little League baseball when I was a kid, so, which should be a crime in itself. But anyways, we'll move on from that. I know that was like the the golden age of yeah, 100%. League too. But at least at least I was actively involved. I might not have been on the team, but I Yeah, put because also out there. there's another tie in not only that how we became friends, but we came we became friends through like a mutual friend who lived two houses down from you that played little league with me and his name is Nick Cavendish. True. So that he True. he he was like the binding agent to you and I meeting because you hung out with Nick. He was. You didn't really know my existence. I, I don't feel like all that much, but you hung out with Nick, and then I played baseball with Nick. And then all of a sudden, uh-huh. like, it, all three worlds came together, like, in a rundown game. And then it kind of transformed yes. from there. So I think if anybody listened to the True. previous podcast, you know, 1.0, where we mentioned, you know, the, some similar stories, um, we didn't mention Nick Cavender, and I think we owe him a lot. We we owe him a lot to our friendship because without Nick Cavender, we we don't become friends. I don't think. 
So I agree. Th- thank, thanks a lot. I Nick. agree. We, like we appreciate you, brother. Man. <laughs> and we really Good enjoyed man. your game systems and everything else that you offered us as a kid. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah dude, he was like oh, a, he was the yeah. epic. We're big video oh. game nerds for anybody that doesn't know. So like we grew up playing video games together just to pass the time. Um, not a lot going on. We haven't really discussed the region that we're from yet, but there wasn't a whole lot going on in town. So the best way we knew how to like make time go by was compete in video games. And Nick Cav- Nick Cavender was the creme de la creme when it came to like video games because he had all the systems, all the games. And he had the. Uh the uh scrambled spice channel that just barely came in you could just like sort of tell the, what was the infamous blue screen spice channel yeah. <laughs> remember that uh, that black box with like the red numbers on it that's what i always come back to like when it came to tv yeah, that, man, it was that like, black box and i don't remember what channel it was like it was like in the higher numbers but he definitely had the spice channel it was like two two uh wires were touching each other in that box that shouldn't have been and it was just giving you enough that you could make out some figures yeah so anyways um we told the story about last night about how there was an, a famous incident that happened in your backyard where we were playing we had graduated from rundown and moved on to f- wiffle ball and to give people a better layout of what the actual story is if anyone has ever been to jay's house or knows about jay's house um, the backyard has a wooded fence that I've already talked about, but inside of that wooden fence is probably like 20 to 30 feet maybe of like just plush green grass and it's a box. So you got like a fence on the left. If you're looking straight on at the house, a metal chain link fence, you got the wooden fence um, to your back. And then to the right of you is like a semi like driveway slash road. And it's it's kind of surrounded by trees, so it's basically a fully enclosed um, yard. It's like yeah. an arena. It's like a exactly. It was an so arena like it was like person. the ideal place to play wiffle ball because you, if you got a hold of one and it went over that fence, you knew that you'd hit a home run. So that I think that's what we were oh, always yeah. looking for as kids was like the perfect place to play um, wiffle ball was basically to be enclosed inside of a place where you could tell like automatically unequivocally without a doubt that you'd hit something over the fence because that was always the goal anyways in baseball no 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 over the house because there was the my dad for whatever reason had had uh laid down a home plate at the like right 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 right. so we actually just used that um and it was always nice whenever you would hit hit something had to go get house Oh, it was such a prideful thing. You would round the house to find the ball, and you would see it was across yeah. the street, or it was in Posey's front yard, or whatever. Like, but anyways, so yeah, so famous wiffle ball games going down in the back of your yard. Um, there's probably only four or five of us, I think, Nick Cavender included, and uh, we're playing, and it's like dusk. You know, it's like right on the cusp between like daylight and nighttime. And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I think there was a soccer ball out, and that was your claim to fame back then. You were a soccer player who who always came out, and you're like you you had played a game that day in Taze Valley somewhere, and you came out yeah. in your little green uniform with your black shorts on, and you 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 didn't play baseball, you played soccer. You were the soccer guy, so I felt like you already already got a, you got one strike against you for that, 
And then secondly, we, we discussed it last night that you were basically that guy that would like dive for stuff and then like stay down on the ground. And we never knew if you were hurt or not. So that, yeah, you were a little, weak. you were a little frail. And so was I, I was a skinny guy too, but at the same time, like I had, I, I lived oh, on the baseball I, field. I was like, you know what I mean? It was my, it was my area of expertise. Like soccer was the area of expertise for you. So anyways, um, saying all that to say this. Uh, you were famous for diving, staying down on the ground, and then there was somewhere in long inside of that game where we picked up uh, the soccer ball that you had out, and we threw it at you. Oh, or, man. We well, some didn't guy. do anything. It was that, it was random, that random kid. kid. We don't know his name. In. I, the, the movie The Water Boy had just come out, and, uh, man, how's it, how does that make you feel? That makes yeah. you feel pretty old. But uh, he, the the water boy had just come out, and I don't think that he knew anyone. He didn't no, know any that of was, us. That was but... the, that was the other thing about the little league field is that you did get stragglers of kids that like hung around the field. You didn't know where their parents were. Yeah. You didn't really know exactly who they were, but you just played with them. Yeah, you just made it work. Yeah, and he comes in the yard and he's he's calling himself Bobby Boucher. Yeah, over and over again which was an insult to Bobby Boucher. And he, he picked up the soccer ball, and I had had just about enough of him. And when he, when he chucked it at me, I hit it, and the bat just, I mean, the, the rest of the history, it just came and right just back. And just drilled you in face. the eye socket. And then as quickly and randomly as that guy came, he Bolted. walked Bolted. right on out of there and, was never seen from probably him. not don't even know who he is you couldn't even yeah. don't have any idea who he was if i saw if i no no no. if i passed him on the street i would never yeah. know that it was him. so anyways so you you you're down the ground writhing in pain and uh no one really knows why you're down there because i don't feel like we automatically saw like how fast it was yeah I was so mistreated. We, we just saw the bat connect with the soccer ball and we really didn't have any idea why you were laying on the ground because I don't feel like we um, saw the bat come back and hit you in the face. So, so you get up and literally the shiner hard. has already begun. Like your face is black and blue around your eye socket. Instant, instant, instant shiner. shiner. So, I remember waking up that night and I couldn't so that, open my eye. And yeah, so that me. ends the game. Games are done. We got to take you inside, yada, yada, yada. Well, for whatever reason, I, I I guess I don't know how it happened after the fact, but like I just always came back to hang out. I don't know if I fell in love with your yard. I don't know if I fell in love like worrying about if you were okay or what. But we just kind of built a bond. We built a bond. Know what it was? I tell you what it was. It was it was the first night you came over. I had finally talked you into spending the night. Uh, if you remember Jaws, there's like a Jaws marathon on TV. And uh, my mom made like eight pizzas. Your mom was notorious for like just letting us pick out. Man, you know what it, you know what it probably was? She was probably like, oh, dear God, please let this be it. his <laughs> friend. He needs a friend so bad. So, yeah. So, and if, if for anyone that doesn't know my background um, as a child, I had seen Jaws when I was probably in my, I was probably six or seven. I saw the first Jaws at my babysitter's and it just wrecked me. 
because I was terrified and like anybody else would have watched it at that age. So I had to feed the fear. I had to like hit the, the button on fear all the time. So anytime I got a chance to like go somewhere else and watch something that scared me, I did it. Cause I, if my mom caught me or my grandma caught me, like they, they'd turn it off on me. So I felt like I had to feed that, that beast. <laughs> so I, yeah, that, that probably, Dan, Ryan, are you yeah, that probably Jaws made sense again? because uh, a little, another, another little tidbit about myself. I used to vacation at Summersville Lake, which is about an hour from where we're at right now. And um, obviously the, the main attraction is the lake. And I would, I would have refused to get in the water. Like refuse, so I'd be sitting there sweating. Well, you got yeah. I would sweat on the oh, boat dude. and refuse dude. to get in the water because I was terrified of jaws. Oh, the great white. Yeah, I know. So, anyways, lake. yeah, I won't bore you with any more of those details, but yeah, so that's that's how it came to be, man. Like basically, tragedy struck in the form of like you getting a shiner, and then basically we built a bond, and then I think eventually, like as it went on, we just cut Nick Cavender out and just started hanging out. Like Nick did his thing, we did our thing. Eh. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> yeah, but hey, we appreciate you, Nick. Like we appreciate you getting to this this point, one hundred percent. I feel like, honestly, I feel like he has this really cool life, and no That's one possible knows about too. it. You know, I, I think he is so your like, local CBS um, pharmacy tech. In, in case in Dunbar, in case anybody ever goes in there, let them know. Like, hey, like true. Jay and Flan really appreciate you starting this like friendship for us like appreciate it brother yeah every time i go in there like i've gone in there before to get uh some like um steroids that i you know like inhaled steroids that i get prescribed sometimes and yeah he's always in there and he's like mr awkward conversation himself yeah he's in there so yeah yeah, so that's a little background about us how we came to be how we came to friends um i guess um the next moving on point would basically be like, uh, if you had to describe um, around our local our local watering holes, what like what's the what's your favorite place and your favorite way to eat just in the just in the general vicinity that we're in? So basically, we're the, for, let me lay it out for everyone. Basically, we're we're from Dunbar, West Virginia, right outside of Charleston, and. If for anybody that doesn't know anything about West Virginia in general, it's just kind of it's 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 kind of wore out. Like it, it yeah, mostly it's not, sucks. It's not a great big like metropolitan area. Now it is a city in the sense that there are some tall buildings, but there's just not a lot going on here. So since I've laid that out for everyone, what in for our local our local flavors, like what's what's your favorite place to eat at? And what's your favorite way to eat? I I apologize. I I know you can probably hear my dog whining. I don't know what she's whining about. She's in the window watching squirrels and dreaming of a life where she can run free. Just snapping squirrels and that. Yeah. So 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 what's a what's what's a favorite place um, to eat at? Uh. Well. I, I, I mean, I can really only think of a couple that I would say are places I don't get yeah, tired of. Um, there's a place called Deals wow. Restaurant. Um, I, I probably would get tired of Deals, but um, I don't go there often enough. 
and it's it's really like a, a down home family feel kind of restaurant let's just say you and, can't eat uh, there every day because you would definitely have like open heart after like a month of it because it's just straight up oh, this yes. gluttonous like down home cooking food but it is divine it's delicious it's very True. delicious um also my family is very big on graziano's yeah. pizza um you and I recently went to Graziano's in Dunbar, um, had yeah. some brew, yeah. had a pie, and they had Seinfeld on in in the restaurant. It was it was a good time. I I like things like that. It was um, it was enjoyable for the actual but, experience. We can go back and forth about out the actual the quality of the pizza, but like for me, like sitting down with you, just being able to talk and at your local watering hole, basically because it's. If you had to explain where Graziano is, it's basically like five minutes away from both of our houses. So it's it's relatively close. Yeah. You go in, you order a pie, you sit down, you get a pitcher of whatever beer, you know, domestic beer they have, and you shoot the shit and eat pizza and drink beer and just yeah. talk about life. And and then uh, the bonus of that was that TBS was on and Seinfeld was on. So we both, you know, gravitated to that. I know. Uh, that that that's an odd kind of anomaly, I think. Usually, in places like that, they're going to be showing like yeah, ESPN or Fox News, like or, Fox or Sports One or something like that. It must have been a really boring week in sports, or somebody that worked there is a major Seinfeld aficionado. Maybe we should scope that out. Um, Maybe next time, like, strike up a conversation with someone and see if they like Seinfeld that works there. We could do that. Like we could really do that. Go um, deep detective on them. But yeah. Other than than those um I don't know what my favorite around here would be. There's really it's it it's like I alluded to last night. There's just not all that much to choose from yeah. here. Um right now I just want some hot dirty shameless Chinese yeah. food I can't help it it's what I want and there's a place I mean we could go back and forth all day long you like the Canal City buffet 100% I like China Gourmet and Southridge. buffet and the the Canal City buffet is it's delicious okay but the China Gourmet buffet has a Mongolian grill and I just can't you get swear by it and I think I do. It's the only place around here where you can do that. And um, I, I I actually had a discussion with my with my mom not that long ago because um, I I have this I guess you could call it a, a a box where anything from my past that I for whatever reason um, wanted to hang on to I would just stick it in this this box. It's like one of those. One of those plastic things that uh, has a lid, you can like slide it under your bed. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Like a momentum of like box, basically. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memory well, box. After 28, right. After 28 years, it's it's pretty much, I can't even clasp the lid on it anymore. <laughs> um, and a lot of it is just like stupid stuff that I don't even, I don't even remember where it came from. But I found a menu from my first Chinese food experience. And it happened while my dad was living in 
St. Petersburg, Florida. And I went with him. It was another uh, lunchtime date. Uh, he and I and a couple of guys that he worked with, we rolled up to this place called Marbo. And at first I was like, what? I don't want this. I don't like Chinese food. Chinese food sucks. Last time I went to a Chinese restaurant, I ate crackers. And uh, I don't remember how old I was at this point either. Maybe like 10 years old, 11 years old. And we go and I'm introduced to bourbon chicken mm. and the Mongolian grill. Mm. And uh, some I don't know if this is commonplace throughout the Mongolian grill world, but the guy that, that was cooking at the grill, he yelled at me in front of everybody in line because I guess when I, when I stacked all of the ingredients onto my plate for him to cook, I just kind of like hodgepodge them all in together and made like a, he couldn't tell what, what all was on it. So one day, I guess he remembered me and he was sick of me. He was like, when you put food on your plate, you need to put it around the plate, not all in the middle. You understand me around the plate, not in the middle. Yeah. And I was embarrassed, but it's kind of funny because to this day, I still like it. He scared me so bad. I still do it. (laughs) I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where I am. And I notice a little look of approval from every single person I hand my plate to working that grill. They're like, oh, this guy gets it. So basically what you're saying is, is that at a Mongolian grill, the basically the, the no-no to do is to basically stack everything on top of each other so they can't actually find the meat to actually cook it properly. Like um, hiding the meat inside it, the noodles is what you're telling me? Well, it could just be that it could just be that that one guy was extremely yeah. OCD, but because um, I don't feel like I've ever had that I problem. Feel like, I feel like it's more maybe he needed to add oil or something because I had some certain ingredient on my plate and he didn't right. see it. Right, you know what I mean. Um, I feel like he was I, nitpicking at that I, point. I wanted, maybe he's just having a bad day, broke up with his girlfriend or something. So, yeah, yeah, so you went, you went down the list yeah. of a few places, and I can go way different ways than what you went. Um, but I'll go ahead and say that, like, of the favorite places for me to eat inside of the city slash surrounding area, um, definitely the first one that comes to mind for me is Black Sheep and Burritos like brews and burritos like i love that place but only for the simple fact is this and i think we'll get to the what what constitutes like good meals and bad meals and you know certain criteria that we're looking for for going in places but for me black sheep ranks at the top of my list because it's it's straight consistency every time you go in there i feel like they net like it's just the same food every time like they're not screwing anything up because it's fairly simple options you got burritos, quesadillas, tacos. And what comes in pairs with that good stuff? You know, their craft beer selection. And, you know, appetizers are, are fairly simple to where they basically give you chips and, you know, guacamole, salsa, cheese dip. To me, I don't feel like you can screw that yeah. up ever. And they never do. So they never disappoint me. So that's why it's always my go-to. And the beer, the beer is a very good selection of beer. I think you would you would attest to that. Like they have pretty good beer. It is pretty good. It's yeah. They they kind of hang out above the above the rest 
in terms of, of your choices. So <laughs> off of that, I go to um, I, I share the same um, sentiment in Asian cuisine, but now I'm going to go towards a little bit more towards Thai food. And this place just recently opened up, but I've been in there probably five times since it opened in the past like couple months. And it has been it has uh, been perfect yeah. every time. And that place is Chow Thai. Uh, it, it just yeah. it, like I don't even remember how I found out about this place, but I forgot. Yeah, about oh, that dude, place. it is like every time I go in that place, they never disappoint, man. It is so good. It's just a hodgepodge. And like you, what makes it like it's super authentic. Because, like, you know that when you go in, when you see the menu, and you're like, I can barely pronounce whatever's on this menu. But you read the descriptions of stuff, and you're like, man, that sounds good. Let's put all that together. And then, and then you know, we'll talk, we'll, we got into it last night about your, like, pepperheadness. Like, they, they, they spice it up on you. So they give you, you know, they give you yeah, some relatively good heat it's... with your, your meal. And I, I enjoy that as well, just not as much as you do. But – what I liked about it, because I've been in there one time, and it was it was uh, with you and Brian, and I think Ashley went. We picked up. Yeah, that was for the. And, uh, that was for one of the like fights or something like that. One of the UFC events that we did. Yeah, and I noticed that on the wall, the like with the menu or this daily specials yeah. or whatever. It said you could get it like one, two, three, four, five star yep. hot. And then underneath that, it was like, let us know how much we can right. light you up. I yeah, it's love a, that. It's a real. I just want to go in. Yeah, I just want to go in and be like, just like put me in the <laughs> hospital. Uh, do, do, do your, your worst. worst. So, yeah, like it's hard for me to explain that cuisine to anyone that's never really had Thai food. So I'm not going to do that because I feel like I would be doing a disservice to the food. But I can just say this. Like mm -hmm. if you've never stepped out of your like comfort zone with food, I would recommend Thai food doing it because it it's it's just it's simple ingredients all mixed in together. And basically it's like an upgrade to me. It's upgraded Chinese food. Like it's it's a step above like your your run of the mill like corner Chinese store. Like, I, well, you know. Yeah, but it's. I think that's probably because the Chinese food that we all know and love. Isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah, Chinese we'll get into food. that. We'll get into that a long way down, probably down the road. But like, yeah, like I hundred percent agree with that. Like the Americanized Chinese food is not real Chinese food. Like, and I, yeah. I, I think this is an authentic Thai food. And I, I, I do like. Too. I'm not like I'm not downplaying it as like Americanized because it's not. Like you go in there and you look at the menu, you're like, oh, this is a little bit over my head. Like I don't understand what these terms mean. But, you know, you, you read the ingredients and then you get you basically get an idea of what you're getting. So I've been in there yeah. multiple times. Every time it's been good. So like consistency wise, they hit it there for me, too. So if you see the trend that I'm trying to, like, bring across to everyone is that my number one thing that, that goes along with what makes a good restaurant is consistency. So the last choice I'm probably going to make is is Fuji sushi and. To, to bring this place up, it, it, it's there's a couple good stories behind it for you and I because we found this. I don't remember how too, so it was kind of like a Chow Thai story in the sense like I don't remember how we found it or how I found it, but we found it, we liked it, and we continued to go back. So for anyone that yeah. doesn't know, Fuji is on Jefferson Road, 
and it's going out towards like our major metropolitan like mall area, which is known as Southridge, and uh, like strip mall type deal. And um, it is like off the beaten path, like tucked back and behind and near like a Seven Eleven. And when you pull up on it, you're like, what is this? And you read the sign and it's basically a shop on one side that sells like aquariums and fish. And on the other side, they're doing sushi. So for anyone that I ever Basically, say just that to, the, just the yeah, exactly. Sushi That's the first thing anyone comes to imagine. is that it's, wow, this is sketchy. And we had the same, we had the same thoughts, you know, like we shared the same sentiments, like this is not going to be any good whatsoever. You know, like while we were waiting for our sushi, the first time we walked in there, I walked around and was looking at the little clownfish and goldfish <laughs> in the tanks. Like, now that's just an yeah, hundred percent for everything. It doesn't make sense whatsoever. Like, so, anyways, I, I want to go back to like now. You know, if you were, if you recall, like when we first found this place and and picked in and and picked up on it and actually did it, um, we obviously always do carry out. We never have eight in there, which there's only like two tables, maybe maybe three. And uh, we called, and this is where the personality known as the Sushi Nazi came to life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we come up with. I won't. I won't order from there. Like I, this. I mean, I'm 28 years old, and I'll have my mom call <laughs> and order before. We have we have Laura, I... my wife, call all the time. She is just so, so the su- Yeah, let me give now, her, let me give her a little bit of backstory on who the Susie Nazi is, because basically yeah. the store runs as an, a, a tandem operation. The husband does the sushi, the wife takes the orders. So as far as we know, as far as we know, the the wife has is, nothing to do with the actual food being made. She just takes orders and runs the register. Now I have a little bit of insight into Go this ahead. operation because. Please. Um, our, our, um, mutual acquaintance, the, uh, well, I guess I, they're, they're my friends and an acquaintance to you, the, yes. the Beyondies, they are, they are, um, quite friendly with Fuji and his wife, AKA the sushi Nazi. In fact, um, every, every black Friday, they have like an annual, um, chicken wing dinner get together and they play games and shit. And uh, this last time, uh, they invited Fuji and his wife, and they came. Wow! And I was I was invited. Why didn't you go and mend this fence? Um. Well, for diplomacy reasons. (laughs) Man, I should have. But see, initially, I when I declined, I I was certain that I was going to be in Troy, Uh, Ohio, which is where my girlfriend lives. But then. Um, it ended up, I had an opportunity to, uh, shadow, um, at, at our local medical office, uh, because they were, they were open on black Friday for acute cases only. So I opted to do that. And even though I was back in town, um, I kind of felt awkward being like, oh yeah, Hey, I I know I said no, but now I want to, you know what I mean? So so I just I just didn't do it. But anyway, um, he is like straight out of Japan and she works for like the West Virginia Housing Authority or something like that. So 
she does her nine to five and then goes to work answering the phones at the sushi joint. Right. So considering her occupation, I think I can kind of appreciate yeah. why she, she has bad days and good days. Uh, yeah, but she's bad, had, but she's yeah. been pleasant when we went in there and paid. Let's not let's not like let's totally dog. That's interesting too because no 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 yeah uh, like I, I I'm sure she's not like that all the time. I mean everybody has their moments, but I remember the first time that we went in there, she was very like curt and crass from the beginning. And and we were like, well, we're gonna get this sushi to go. She was like, uh, that's gonna take like forty five minutes. You know that, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Fine. We'll hang out. And she's like, okay, okay, whatever. And then after we paid and we were sitting there, then she became yeah. friendly, and it was it was it's very it is it's a it's so, a um it's a it's an interesting way to interact with someone where they basically like flip switches on you, so you don't really know how to act in this, in the, the, the situation. So, <clears throat> yeah. But you know, what's crazy. I don't feel like her behavior would fly somewhere. Like, um, I don't know. Pretty, pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Else no way here. she's like getting a, uh, um, no way she's getting a, uh, hospitality degree <laughs> or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So bringing it all full circle, like with, with Fuji, just to talk about the food in general. Um, when we got into the, you know, the American like gentrification of, uh, like Chinese food, uh, sushi happened the same way. Like there are sushi spots in the area that basically dress up sushi so much where you basically don't even know what you're eating half the time. And I feel like they bring out rolls and you're like, I don't even remember what I ordered. I, I just know this tastes good, but like to explain to somebody what I'm actually eating, I have no idea what I'm eating. So with Fuji, yeah. This guy is like legit. He's doing like hand rolls made by himself, and he's not dressing them up. He's letting the oh, don't forget the yeah, the gyoza dumplings are, are absolutely to die for. All the sides and stuff that they offer are to die for. It's all like it's all fresh handmade. Like he's doing it all. Like he's he is back in the oh, kitchen yeah. just like whipping it up, man. And he's a man, hundred percent. So like getting his sushi, it's legit sushi. Like it's not. It's not for the faint of heart that don't like like fishy stuff, like don't like their stuff like dressed up to where they basically can taste nothing but like spicy mayo and avocado. This guy is doing like real mm -hmm. deal fresh sushi, and it is really good. So, yeah. So, and every time we've gotten it, it's been delicious. And you know, our orders have been like uh, magical orders because we would. I, I think there's been some times where we've dropped like anywhere from seventy five to a hundred dollars on a meal, and we've a she actually mm -hmm. told us over the phone like, hold on, let me ask him if he's even up for making all this food. That's how much we how, that's how much we <laughs> love that place. Is that we literally yeah. are like, man, I'm starving. You're like, yeah, I'm starving. I'm like, let's do food. She's like, okay, and then we literally just go through and pick like six to eight rolls and just go wild. We just eat until we can't move. Very worth it, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think you listed three places. I listed three places. We'll obviously get to more places because I think the way we want this podcast to go after like the introductory phase and us like just BS in here, um, we're gonna like actually venture out to places, eat there, and then come back and give you guys 
our take on what the place does well and what they fail at and how's the food and how, what's, what's, what's their like popular menu items, yada, yada, yada. So we'll get yep. to the surrounding area more in depth. I don't want to beat that, that horse, that dead horse yet. Just so moving on. I think we've hit, I hit on some of the things that make like a good and bad meal for me to you. What stands out? Like, what are you looking for? And when you're walking into an establishment, what are you looking for? And what constitutes, well, how do you know it's going to be a good meal? How do you know it's going to be a bad meal? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what are your eyes, your ears, your, like your smell, your sniffer? Like what's, what's, what's going on there? Like when you're walking into these places. Uh, well, I, for me, I think it's, uh, it's very, it's very subjective. You know, I think, um, like I said last night, it's something that I have to, to use all senses to accurately answer that. If I go in, okay, here's a good example. Um, what, do you remember on Roxalana road, me and you and, uh, Matt Henson went to, I don't even remember what it's called now, but it was like a, just a hole in the wall. Yes. I want to say I got some kind of like Yes, that Italian restaurant but, that was open for like two months. Yeah. Right from the, from the get-go, I was Knew it was a dud. Because, yeah, because when I walked in, they gave no attention whatsoever to – like decorating the place. It was like a, a bare table. I want to say like a fold out. Yeah, it was chair. rough. The decor was rough. And yeah. And the, they had like um, plastic wraps silverware, right. but they tried to make the actual dish itself appear to be very eclectic. And then on top of that, I wasn't sure if if it was the place where the kind of place where you tip your server because she really didn't. Serve yeah, those us. are the work. Those we are the hardest were, places to figure out is where you like she didn't. Yeah, she didn't come to our table and take our order. We ordered it and, and then sat down at the counter and then sat down and then she brought it to us and and she was just that's, kind of unpleasant, too. That's I my that gripe. That's my but, gripe with the olive tree in South Charleston. And um, the pepperoni grill in Canal City is that they really don't actually have service, but it's so close to where, like, you're actually sitting that you feel compelled to give a tip, but you don't really know why you're tipping anyone because all they're doing out is bring, yeah, bringing out the finished product. And I can't yeah. stand that because so, I feel like that's a very weird interaction to have because, you know, in this very day and age, everything has a tip on it. So they they're leaving yeah. it up to you, or and like, I'm just like, like when I go, yeah, like when I go to pick up a pizza and for a tip on the on the receipt that I sign, like why that I feel I feel like you're watching me as I sign my name. Hundred percent, they're eyeballing that. Yeah, but you know you've already made it, so you're not going to spit in it. But right <laughs> um, back to the question. Yeah, uh, I think for me, like I said, it's totally subjective. And but you I know right with, away. You've been in enough restaurants. You've been through enough yeah. experience. Like you know right away when you're stepping in. Like your, your first thing you use is your eyes. Yeah. I, uh, next thing you use, I feel like, is maybe your smell, and then the next thing you use is your ears. Like how loud is it in there? 
Yeah. And, so and like, you, you use th- all those at the same time to come up with like a synopsis of like, this is going to be a good time or this are, and eh, I don't really know. We're going to see how the food is. Yes. Because and you had said continuity is important in terms of establishing a, a like long-term good food, something yes. that you want to go back to over and over again. Yes. I feel like that's true. And it's also true um, that continuity in terms of like, is everything working together? Uh, and if, if it's not, then it's not going to be something that I want to do again. You know, Logic I mean? so, dictates, dictates, right? Like when you're walking into a restaurant, does everything that is in that room at that very time make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to enjoy a place where you go in and it's like just crap all around, just not not a good environment. And yet here they come and they bring me out like uh, uh, whatever kind of steak on the bone still sizzling you had at Murray's Steakhouse or whatever. Manny's. I've been to Murray's, though, too, so. You're not far off. Oh, I, I didn't even know Murray's, <laughs> Murray's, Manny's, and Ruth Chris. I've been all three in Minneapolis. But anyway. Touche. <laughs> but yeah, just like I'm not going to want to walk into like a five-star fancy restaurant and then bring me a hot dog and on a paper plate. With potato you know chips I mean? and a Coke. Yeah. 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 So um, what I'm looking for when I go into a place is – that everything is working together for, for the, the overall effect. Right. Um, if, if everything doesn't complement everything else, then you need to rethink what you're doing. So let me bring up this point to you, because I feel like in our area, there are certain places that don't mm-hmm. really know what they are, but they know that they're a restaurant and they're just serving food. Oh, yeah. oh, and, yeah. and when you walk into them, everything's just kind of like neutral. And you don't uh-huh. really know what you're there for. And I like my first inclination of that, um, that I can like come back to that I've ate at in, let's say, in like, the last six months is the mm-hmm. Barge restaurant on Canal River. Okay. And, been there one time. Okay. So they have, since I've been in there, they have upscaled like the top version for like a higher class dining. Right. So they offer like a, a, a like a three to four course meal and it's, it's pricey. And, you know, they're doing, like, high-end steak, pork chop, lamb chops, whatever, with, like, sides and stuff like that and a dessert. The bottom section is only open in season, which if um, you heard what I said, like, it's on the river. Like, it's actually an old barge they converted into um, a restaurant. And it's open, obviously, during the spring, summertime. And when you walk in there, you're on the river, number one. But number two, like, when you walk in, it's just kind of, like, neutral. But what they're serving in there is like all American foods and maybe like one seafood option. And I get the vibe is it's basically just it's pretty much a bar. And, you know, we've all, we've been in some pretty bad bars in the surrounding area, too, that don't really get that. Like they don't they don't worry about their decor. They just kind of serve domestic beer and some cheese fries. And you're like, huh, like no wonder you're going to go out of business here inside of a year. Like you don't have any any sort of staple. You know what I mean? There's nothing to, yeah. uh, that differentiates you from the bar down the street that's doing the same exact thing. Except there, you, there, you might True. accumulate one drunk that got kicked out of your bar and he might go down to the bar down the street. So, so like for all that, it's just like, I, 
I have a hard time with places like that because I can't figure out who they are and what they're trying to do well. And I feel like that's another standard that needs to be set inside of the restaurant business in our area is let me know who you are before I even get there. And then when I get there, let it match up to what you said you were. Because we've been highly disappointed, I feel like, in the past where we're like, oh, we're going to get a certain thing from this place that just opened and they, they don't deliver. And it's not just, and yeah. we're not, I, I don't even think we've even gotten to the, like, how, like, I don't even think food's that important to us in the sense of, like, does it knock our socks off? I think it's just the experience as a whole. Like, is it a good experience and will we come back? Can we, can we, can we put our faith and trust in you and continue to give our hard-earned money to you guys in the, the, the knowing that you're going to take care of us every time we come in there and we're not going to be disappointed? Yes. So I think I think we both share the same like criteria for like what a what const, constitutes good meals and bad meals. And really, and it's you know, this is a food podcast and we're going to talk about food in depth. But the food's kind of like not even it, it can be the deciding factor, but it, it really it's on the back end of like what we're actually looking for, I think, in my sense. And like because we use food as a way to like it's kind of communal. Like it's a, it's a fellowship. It's a, it's an experience. It's something that we want to hold on yeah. to after we're done with it. You know what I mean? It's something that we can go back and talk about like we're doing right now. Right. So it's like yeah. a religious it's only experience a almost. Like awesome. we're looking for that. Oh, you know what I mean? Like just everything come together. Uh, it's elusive. It's hard it to is. find. And, and, and we have found it and we will get into that. Like we have found certain like moments inside of like restaurants where we're like, man, this is, this is it. We, we held on to it. Like, I, I, I don't know if you, I think I mentioned it prior to the podcast last night, but like Terry's turf club for me was a moment that I held on to. It, it might not have been the same exact feeling that you had, but I, I, I remember it with you. And then I, the other one that I remember very vividly, I know you'll, you'll utter the same sentiment is the, the first time we went to jug and kill together. Oh man, jug and kilt. That was your spot. Oh, I forgot all about that. That was your kilt. spot. Gosh, why did it have to close? <laughs> and for anyone that's listening, you mentioned last night about the Hofbräu house. I feel like when I feel like jug and kilt uh is the Hofbräu house's dad that passed away on you. Yeah. Like that you have such fond memories of. Or I should say not. I shouldn't say dad. I should say grandpa. Like your your long lost grandpa that you lost when you were a kid, but you loved hanging out with him. I feel like that's jug and kilt compared to like what you're trying to fill in with like Hoffboy House. Definitely the food version of a deceased relative. <laughs> Definitely. I don't know. I have no. It just people around here were not ready. Their palate. And cultural preferences just were also not ready location. for jug. Location was bad. Yeah, the location was bad. It was, it was bad. bad. But at the same time, it was like so bad that it was it it added. I feel character. like it did too. Being this like this like rundown. It was strip like mall. in a strip mall. Yeah. Strip mall next next to this enormous liquor store, <laughs> and like a Kmart maybe. But uh, nonetheless, it was it was. Oh, There's something I didn't get into when you talked about Halfway House, and maybe we'll get back into it for people that 
you know, maybe li- listen to the last one. But like for me, Hoffway House and that sort of style of food doesn't really like tickle my fancy, doesn't get me excited. But I'll, I'll admit to the bitter end that when you found the jug and kilt, we went down there the first time, I fell in love with you. Like that oh. food was delicious. I'll never forget when they brought that turkey leg out to you and how happy it mm. made the table. Like it was like a dinosaur. It was like finding a dinosaur bone at like an archaeological site. Like it was like, holy crap. And you're, you're I can just remember the grin on your face. Like I'm going to tear into this thing. I didn't even care if it was I know it, it didn't it even just, matter at that point, right? It was just like, wow, they just put this ginormous turkey to leg be in, front of me. in that place. I mean, like, just a just a little, um, I mean, paint the picture a little bit of what Junkilt was. Uh, everybody always seems to want to compare it to Tilted Kilt. Not, no, now, I've never no. been. Yeah, I've never been to a no. Tilted Kilt, but I can't <laughs> imagine that it is in any way. Similar. Maybe the only way is that the uh, waitresses dressed in like kilted skirt. Type it's basically things, a Hooters, but with a. Di- it's a it was in version a, of Hooters. Yeah, it was. It was in a tasteful way. Like I feel like a tilted kilt. It's kind of in like it's kind of like a, a Hooters yeah, sort yeah. of, but it wasn't like this at Jug and Kilt. And they had. I mean, it, it was owned by a guy from the UK, so he knew what he was doing. And he knew the cuisine the for bar, sure, 100%. Yeah, the bar had like 40 beers on yeah, tap. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I mean, it was a it was a soccer hooligan yeah. hangout. And I remember one time I went and they had belly dancers. They had belly dancers playing. Yeah. Going around the restaurant in their garb. Do you remember dancing. the and first time we were in there? I think they had like a live band playing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it was so it's a good. cool place, man. You had, I like, really the, agree with you. Like the flags hanging from the ceiling. Remember the bread? Yeah, pudding? the bread pudding was to die for. Um, I love. I I, I really went in with low expectations that came out um, pleasantly surprised. Because again, it's not my kind of cuisine, but at the same time, like if you do it well, it definitely works. So. Oh yeah. So yeah, just just bringing up that little morsel of remembrance. Um, that. That kind of sets the, the the mood for what I'm about to move into next is like, uh, why are you the way you are with food? Like, what influence? What what brought this influence into your life? Like, what what? Who was the guiding light, or what what was the guiding light to why you, how you feel and talk about these things so passionately? Anthony Bourdain. So it's it's just it's like singular. That. It's one person. Um, no, it's not one person, but he, he, he brought it all together. You know what I mean? He, I, I guess I had experienced different foods in different places and then I never really thought about it in, in the way that I do now until I read his books and and saw him on TV and I was like, you know what? I don't care if this guy is a dick. He gets it. Like he, he knows he's been around. He knows. And to me now, like, yeah, obviously there, there are establishments around here that, that I love and I think they do it correctly. And, and I, I want to go back again and again, but the big thing for me is like, oh, so you've eaten the country's best hamburger. 
okay, big deal. I went to this place in LA that knows exactly how to do Korean barbecue. Right. What, how can you top right. that? You know what I mean? So what it, what kind of food that, that people are eating in other countries and other places that people just don't readily know about. If I can get my hands on that, I'm, I'm ecstatic. That's what I want. It, I want, I want something that I don't know anything about and I want to learn about it. Right. Through. So, so know? like food and culture go hand in hand with you. They tell, oh, yeah. they tell stories that you enjoy. And I feel yes. like Bourdain was the author that brought you to that assumption, excuse me. And yeah. And, and, and even after, you know, seeing what he had to say about things, then things that, that other chefs had to right. say started to make sense. it snowballed from there. He yeah, was, he was exactly. the, he was the catalyst that started the whole thing. And I, I think he what is, people need is. to know about you as well is that you're an international affairs major. So basically anything concerning any other part of the world, you, you're definitely interested in. So that, that, that goes hand in hand as well in this conversation with Bourdain. Yes. So for me, um, it's hard. I, I can't pinpoint just one person. I probably could. Um, I feel like I maybe did it on the last podcast and I, I mentioned one name, but I didn't really go into great depth on why other than the fact that I was just exposed to it from because of him. But it was, if you're going to point the, if you're going to point to one singular person where it all started for you as being Bourdain, I guess my one point to person would be, would be Guy Fieri with diners driving in the dives. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like that's, that's a really like beaten down, worn down topic anyway. So I'm not going to elaborate really. It's just basically, We're back. And we're back. Dude, right. These stupid telemarketers, man, they just continue to call me, and I don't understand why. I feel bad. like I've put my name on the do not call list so many times. I guess it just doesn't work out that way. I guess they find another way around it. But anyways, uh, sorry about that, folks. Got cut off by a phone call. I feel like Anchor apps should like do something about that where they block out phone calls while the app's on or something. <laughs> It's kind of weird. Yeah, come on, Anchor. Yeah, step up your game, Anchor. But uh, anyways, I, as I was saying, I was I was pointing to um, – I was making the correlation between you saying Bourdain and then I said Guy Fieri. And not to really even go any farther on that, um, I had more of a local influence, I guess. Um, uh, my interest came from boredom. I, okay. Uh, it was not only like the only, the only thing I had in my life at the time that food kind of popped in was basically athletics, video games, and a crazy ex-girlfriend. Perfect <laughs> combination for food. <laughs> so, so that crazy ex-girlfriend lived in a small town, probably like 45 minutes away. And the, when I, I would go up for like weekends and like hang out at her parents' house. And inside of that parents' house, uh, never there knowing was, the level of crazy that lurked in the shadows. Yeah, not yeah, totally having the the wool puller of my eyes. But um, so they or, made it a point maybe, to like try, maybe you just like crazy. Yeah, probably. Maybe I was into that. But they they tried to like impress me by taking me to like little spots in that area. And um, I guess that's What's where the best I started. Spot? Oh, so for me. 
Uh, I'm going to really butcher names here. Uh, but like the one, the one spot that stands out that I know is still like world renowned is uh cafe Samino. I don't know if you ever Sabino? heard of that place or not. Cafe Samino. It, and it's hard to explain, it. but it's like a, like, um, it's a older like style, like building in like, um, Sutton. Okay. It's like in an old house almost. It's like a, like a Victorian style house. Ooh. And they're doing like um like real deal Italian like spinoffs. Yeah. Like Mediterranean style food. Fancy. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 higher end like it's finer dining, I would say. All right. Um and then there was a few other places like, you know, some mom and pop places that we went to, some diners, some like I, I want to call it like it's it's a truck stop but at the same time they're doing like good breakfast food in there. You know, you can pretty much find that anywhere across the country where like a truck stop's going to have pretty decent breakfast food. And yeah, that, that was that you was know a, what's crazy like if you're if you're really hungry and you're looking for something fast and makes you feel good all through your your gutty what's it's it's sometimes truck stop food is is the answer. It, it hits the spot, dude. It really does. It really, really does. I feel almost ashamed to say that, but no, I don't. I don't. I don't like. I I think now I'm so comfortable with food. Like when people ask me, like, what's my guilty pleasures? Like, I actually love talking about them more than I do like some like fancy meal. (laughs) I I find I find it a more uh, a better representation of myself when I tell them like what's the worst thing I do on a daily basis, which is. For anyone that knows me, I order like Papa John's like every two weeks, and I just smash a pizza myself. And oh, when I lived, when I lived, worst thing. <laughs> and when I lived in, and when I lived in the state of South Carolina, I used to frequent like every single Waffle House in the surrounding area in Myrtle Beach. So I knew which one was good and which ones were bad. So like, I love telling people those stories. Like I relish them. Like I, I, I really, I really do. I. I, I take pride in telling someone that I'd lived in Myrtle Beach and I knew what Waffle House was good and what Waffle House was bad. And I got a few Waffle House stories of my own, like the other ones that have been like published in the public eye. I got I got a few stories that I could go into later on down the road. But yeah, Waffle House is an interesting place at 11 o'clock at night on Tuesdays or even Fridays or Saturdays. Like it, it gets wild in there. Truly. But yeah, so I guess for me, it's more local. Uh, outside influence, like I, I did say, I, I mentioned Guy Fieri, but like it's transformed for me. So you point to like Bourdain and I point to like a Mount Rushmore of people that have like totally taken over my life when it comes to like food. And for me, those, those special four people, like they sit way up there on like the food chain of like celebrity chef fandom for me. Like they're, they're above and beyond. Like if I met them, it'd be like meeting a rock star. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that's how you feel about Bourdain and you had that uh, Twitter exchange that you had with him that you talked about last night. Like that'll Um, be a moment for you forever. The immortal tweet. Yeah. For me, it'll be like just even like walking by one of these guys. Um, And I guess the, the four that come to mind, like right off the bat is Eddie Wong, Maddie Matheson, Action Bronson and David Chang. Like David those four. Chang. Yeah, David Chang is a mastermind inside the food world. You know what? I had signed up for this newsletter. I don't even know, like, couldn't even tell you, like, who sponsors the newsletter, to be honest. But I got an email today with this newsletter, and it was saying that 
David Chang's, uh, one of his startup companies, uh, I guess it was an, an order delivery. How do you, how do you say it? Like a delivery only type yeah. of restaurant that he had. It got, it got bought out by Uber Eats. Wow. I guess is, uh, it's some kind of, I don't know, uh, what's that? It's not Grubhub. Is it Grubhub? Grubhub yeah. where they, they, you order it on your phone and they deliver it yep. to, to your, wherever you're at. I guess it's like that. Um, but it's just interesting. Even, even he wasn't, uh, he, he didn't have the ability to stop something like that from happening. But yeah, he, he's an he's an interesting case study though because he's he's ventured out on so many different projects. Like he's not just beholden to like one style of food. Oh yeah, I mean, you, know he, what I mean? you you brought it up last night the caviar and fried chicken venture. Yeah, he's responsible for that. People like and, that's that's all him. Yeah, who would think that? Who would? Who, I don't know. It's on my bucket list of things. Like if I ever get to Vegas. Like I'm definitely definitely going to Momofuku, and I'm definitely having like a gang of people like throw down to try to get this famous dish of fried chicken and caviar. Like that's where he does it. Without a doubt, I've never even had caviar. Me neither. But the two together just classic. Yeah, they just it's unbelievable. Has to be. So where do you with all that caviar? Um, I think you have to have it like shipped in. Um. I saw a whole piece about it with Matty Matheson. This guy, um, he does like he has like a sturgeon farm, and he gets the sturgeon eggs from farming these fish, and sells them at like a ridiculously high price for like caviar, and it's supposedly some of the best caviar in the world. Oh. And it's all farmed, like he does it all at his like place. So, I, I've never had sturgeon myself, but like for me. I'm trying I can't to imagine it's that, that tasty, but I can imagine those little eggs are. I have no idea. I can't yeah. even begin to imagine what caviar actually tastes like. We're just two boys from wild, wonderful West Virginia. We don't know what caviar is all about. I'm trying to. Get I think it's. I think it's more texture than it is anything. I uh, think it's those little bubbles popping in your mouth. I think it's uh, like it's sort of like a you know takes you back to childhood with pop rocks kind of deal. All I think right. it's a texture thing. I've never heard anyone compare caviar to Pop Rocks, but I'm with you. <laughs> well, to bring it down to our level, that's what I would compare it to, I guess, because we've, right. we've never had a, a, a we haven't had that many high fluting meals. True, especially together. I mean, I haven't. <laughs> I long for that. I long for the day when you become an MD and you're making buku's amounts of money, and you're telling and you look at me and it's like, dude, let's go somewhere for a weekend, and I'm like, okay, let's go. And yeah, the, we just hit it. We hit it hard. Oh, calm down. She's so, just, I don't know. So those are our influences. Um, I, I I think a good way to round out the podcast. Um, well, we we've we've story told we've story told a lot of stuff. So I'm not gonna like go beat that dead horse again. But like let's 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 round it out with the best meal you've ever had. And I I we we had this discussion last night. And I don't want to be too repetitive for anybody that's listening. So let's 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 change that from the best meal you've had to the second best meal you've had, because I feel like our our audience is going to already know what we we're going to say here. So let's uh-huh. let's throw them a, let's throw them a curveball on ourselves. Like if you want me to go first, I will. But yeah, you go like, first. Okay. 
So much pressure. It it is, but like there's a lot of meals that I can point to, but for me, um, and it's really crappy that I I just let the the name of the restaurant blank on me, but you're gonna know it because I actually told you about it in um, uh, it's in Myrtle Beach and it's the Asian spot that I told you to go to. Oh, it's Co. Co. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that reminder. So for me, like you're you you talked about on the last podcast, like you're Asian, you're all about Asian food in the, in most senses. And for me, like I'm kind of there with you, but I'm maybe like a step under you. Like I I, I like okay. to dibble on other things too. But like when I had Co for the first time with my wife, and we found that place, even though it is a chain as well, um, it has three other location or two other locations beside Myrtle Beach. One in Charleston, and I think the other one is um, somewhere in Georgia, I believe. Anyways, I mean, Savannah, actually, because me and my wife vacate, did our anniversary there, and they had a co there. But we did not go. I think we're, we, uh, we, we stayed allegiant to the Myrtle Beach location. But anyways, first time I ever had it. And we talked about... Um, the sushi Nazi and Fuji earlier, but for me, like Co is doing it on a level of like they're giving you high quality ingredients, but they're stepping up the flavor profile. They're like igniting um, the ta- your taste buds. So yeah. we got sushi along with like some other like uh, Thai dishes, which I think I got my wife maybe got pad Thai, and I maybe went ventured off on something else. But they're basically mixing together high quality Thai food and um, sushi. And as you've known from what I said earlier, two of the spots that I love, I love in, in our surrounding area, one is a Thai restaurant. The other one is a sushi Mm -hmm. restaurant. So it's a no brainer that you mix those two together and you got my full attention. So yes, uh, Mm -hmm. we got like a standard like sushi roll, but it was, Oh man, it was, it was delicious. And another component, key component that I think gets left out in a lot of um, restaurant talk is uh, the, like, besides for alcoholic drinks, like, what else are you offering me? And for a guy in my circum, under my circumstances, I don't like yeah. just your run of the mill water or like a soda. I'm not, I'm not much of a soda drinker anymore. So like, want? I'm looking for like, a good high quality tea or possibly like a mineral water, like San Pellegrino or um, uh, trying to think of another brand that, Pereira. that offers. Yeah. Per, yeah. Pereira or whatever. That's how you pronounce that. Yeah. Um, so, tea. so I ordered green tea there and my wife got some other sort of tea, like some Jasmine white tea or something, but they had like tea options. And to me, I respected that. Because I'd never really been in another place where that had happened. Like, even for the, my favorite restaurant in the area, um, Chow Thai, we ordered tea last time that me and my wife were in there. And they brought out, like, just a, a box of tea and handed it to us with hot water. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, wow. yeah, that's a little black stain for them, for me. That, that kind of upset me a little bit. I was like, guys, really? Like, you can't steep your own tea in the back? They bring it on every other front and then – and then, and the, and the, that, like I said, I really believe like restaurants fail that unless you're a coffee place that's serving food, I really feel like restaurants don't put enough weight behind 
their drink options besides for being alcoholic. I feel like yeah. they need to step their games up because a lot of people want different things now in this in this day and age. I think people are tired of drinking water. They're tired of drinking soda. What else you, you got know, besides it's I'm not going to make me drunk? Do, I'm trying to like, I don't know, be healthier, I guess, mm-hmm. or at least more health conscious. And 100%. It is tough to get away from Dr. Pepper. It's got to be like trying to quit cigarettes. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people could agree with you there. Like I've already had one today and I couldn't help it. I'm I just I had a regular Dr. Pepper way before we ever started talking today. Yeah. And then I was drinking a diet Dr. Pepper just during this podcast. <laughs> I, I I'm trying to make the transition. It's like I need uh Nicorette gum to need your fix, I'm not, man. I'm not smoking. But I'm, I'm. You might as well be though. Yeah. So whenever, whenever somewhere has an option like uh, carbonated water. Yeah, something, just something different, right? That's all you're it, asking for. It's like it tricks my mind into thinking I'm having a pot. Right. That not, that that little bit of carbonation inside that water makes you feel like, oh, this is refre- This is different. This is refreshing. Mm-hmm. And it's not for everybody. Don't let me. Don't let my opinions about like drink options sway anybody else's but for me it's just like i can tell when a restaurant is going uh above and beyond and they're actually trying to like really take my uh needs into consideration when they when they actually put some thought behind drink options i'm for sure a proponent of carbonated water so yeah yeah bring it so round out like my second favorite meal of all time uh, that's the first one that pops in my head. I actually like in, inside of this, like uh, I was like, uh, what, what really is it? Cause I, I was going to take, I jumped off the ledge first um, with my second favorite meal. And that is definitely up there for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had a lot of <laughs> restaurant ex- experiences and anyone I've ever had them with, like mostly it's been my wife and mm-hmm. I would love to hear, I would love to ask her the same question uh, amongst all of us. Um, and she would remind me of certain ones. So I could be forgetting other ones that I might come back to and be like, ah, yeah, that's a really good experience too. But what's, what is it for you? Like, has any, like, since I've been rambling here, what has anything stood out for you? Yeah. Actually, I I name dropped uh, Korean barbecue earlier. Yeah. And, uh, it made me think of, um, when I was in LA, I went to this place in Koreatown called uh juku juku and i have never been to anything like that before or or rather at the time i had not been anywhere like that before um and it's the kind of place where your table is a grill more or less and you can order any kind of of raw meat on the menu and they bring it out and you you cook it right there at your table the way you like it cooked. Um, and of so course it's like have... the, it's like the Korean version of the melting pot. If you've ever, yeah, been I guess. I've, never, I've never been to the melting pot, but I can, yeah, you I basically was... cook all your food at the table. Yeah. It's you just pick much... your options. Yeah. And, and, you know, being the Asian food lover, I am, I've, I've definitely seen, um, in movies and on TV and YouTube videos, people in places like Tokyo, going into a restaurant and they're basically steaming meat, cooking it via steam right there at the table. And, 
you know, like little, little small cuts of whatever kind of beef they, they're eating. Yeah. It's it kind like of a me... uh, thinly sliced beef. Yeah. But, uh, these, they, they, they weren't really thin. I mean, they were, uh, pretty plentiful cuts and, uh, they came with, I remember four types of, of dipping sauces and I have no idea what they are, but, um, each one was something that I would eat every day if I could, yeah. it was that good. And it was the first time I've had beef tongue and don't be, don't shy away from, from it just because it's uh, a part of the body that you typically don't find on a menu anywhere. It was good. yeah we kind of we kind of hit on that after the podcast last night when we were just sitting around talking about influences a little bit a little bit chewy but uh it was delicious and um you know i how about how about this honorable mention um being from west virginia there are really only a handful of of places where you can get a burger that is pretty satisfying right so again, on my LA trip, I had In and Out for the first time. Right. Holy moly, In and Out, In and Out. So I I feel like uh, to, uh we got to keep people in the loop. Um, this has been an on ongoing discussion amongst you and I for probably I want to say <laughs> at least five years, maybe yeah. six. Uh, we have we've gone back and forth on the debate of what is the best chain burger across the country. And you tend to side with your boy, Anthony Bourdain, because he is on the record for saying that In-N-Out is one of the best restaurants in the L.A. area, which they are not only just there. They're across the West Coast and maybe a few locations in Texas. And yeah. I have had In-N-Out and I've had Shake Shack. And I have had five guys. Same. And you have done the same. Mm-hmm. And we tend to differ on what's the best. And now I will preface uh, me saying that I'm not in agreement with you that In-N-Out is the best burger in the country. Uh, but I will also leave the caveat here that when I ate In-N-Out, I was nowhere um, fully competent in my uh, judgment of like good food versus bad food. You didn't know. Like you at know? the time that I ate in and out, it had not caught that sort of pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people that yeah. people that live around, live around in and out. So they know about in and out, but I'm talking like countrywide. I feel like in and out blew up like a couple years after I had had it. Yeah, it didn't really catch that wave until Exactly. Uh, and I really believe your boy Burdain had a lot to do with that. And I think other people did. A lot yeah. of other celebrities had a lot to do with that push. And I just yeah. actually saw an interesting article about In and Out. Um their actual managers that work there make hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year working at In and Out. So this chain is not only popular but it's lucrative. Like people will fly across the country for this burger. And if you're anytime anywhere around one, you have to like get a double double. Gosh, like it's, it's like so just good. mandatory. It's, it's mandatory. So good. And you know, so I, I want to leave it, this. Though. I want to leave this debate uh, 
just kind of open-ended because I feel like it is my duty as a person that has come up with the idea of, you know, you and I basically teaming up with the idea that, yeah, let's, let's talk about our food experiences. I feel like I owe it to you before we ever revisit this again to basically go back out there and get in and out again so that my mind is fully made up. You know what I mean? So, so let's just leave it there. Like I, I, I tend to disagree with you, but at the same time, I understand why you make the statement that in and out's the best burger in the country and uh, it was one of the best meals you've ever had. And I'll just say I, it, it isn't there for me, but maybe one day, maybe one day we can share that, share that sentiment. I'm going to say this. The only burger I've ever had where the condiments on the burger made the burger. 100%. Is that yeah? And and that's I will say I will say this. You found out about that sauce when you went to In N Out. I found out about that sauce with living with a a guy from Oregon at DNE at the college I went to. He had actually had fry sauce shipped over to him so he could put it on things that he ate. And that is a good friend of mine that lives in the Kansas City area right now. And if you're listening, what's up, D? But like when he showed me that that eye opening experience of fry sauce that people on the East Coast don't know about, I was like, no wonder in and out so popular because they put that this stuff on that. And it Dude. really isn't like this like secret like uh, under wraps like sauce. I think it's like basically just a ketchup based mayo sauce, but they with, mixed in with spices. But Listen, it, it's delicious for, for everyone out there listening. And you can order it online just for anybody that's wondering about it. Anybody that has not had the sheer pleasure of having In-N-Out. I also went to school with a a girl that uh, she played softball and was from the L.A. area. And we we had class together. And um, every once in a while, we'd shoot the breeze about L.A. and obviously in and out would come up. So one day she came up to me and was like, Oh man, my mom came to visit me. You're never going to guess what she brought me. And I was like, you know, I don't know what a Disneyland souvenir. What (laughs) she individually packaged. She, she got an in and out burger and then deconstructed it, put the lettuce in a Ziploc bag, put the tomato in another Ziploc bag, put the bun in another Ziploc bag, the patty in a Ziploc bag, brought it all the way across the country to West Virginia. Gave that it is to dedication. Her. She reconstructed it in her dorm room, ate it, said it was incredible. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. That is. That is awesome. That is real dedication, and um, they should definitely have, like, sponsored that and videoed that and, like, put it across, like, the World Wide Web so oh, yeah. everyone could see. Wow. She she actually transferred back to a school in uh, in the LA area to to continue playing softball. So I feel like it was strictly because of In and Out. You know what? <laughs> it, it could have played a factor. <laughs> so see see that's what we're trying to tell you people that look like look how powerful food can be. You know our all around point is that it's brought us together. It obviously helps people that don't like it over here move back to where they're from and continue their playing career. So the overall point of this podcast is to show you 
food's important and it, 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 it transcends into life. Like it is a, a huge part of people's lives, whether they know it or not. I feel so, yeah. like an appropriate interview question should be like, where do you like to eat? hundred percent. You know, it should be standard it, across America. You, you can, you can learn a lot about a person just from, from hearing. Uh, well, I don't know. I like, I like shows. Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we've all had that conversation with a certain, certain people where you ask them about their food experience and they basically can't come to, it can't come to anything but that Friday night at Longhorn or that, that, oh, yeah. that Saturday steak at Logan's or like, Applebee's on a Wednesday. And you're I just like, like oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a big fan of IHOP. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you see the comedians in cars getting coffee with Christoph Waltz? Uh, no. Buddy, they go to IHOP and he is just like, hate the time he's there. Uh, Jerry, what? Jerry. Is this Netflix available? Yeah. You got to watch it. It's hilarious. He He's like looking at the menu and there's the, um, I don't know what it's called. It's like chocolate chip pancake. It's chocolate pancakes with uh, with chocolate chips and then chocolate drizzle and then whipped cream and then sprinkles and it just looks like a diabetic nightmare. It's and, obviously something that your body shouldn't be processing. Right. And and Jerry is looking at Christoph Waltz and he's like, "Would you eat that?" And he doesn't even give him a verbal response. He just looks at him and like kind of grimaces his teeth and shakes his head just a little bit like eh, that's, that's another common bond that we share is uh the the love for christoph waltz uh he's just a fantastic actor for anyone that doesn't know some of the movies that he's been in um all he's pretty much quentin tarantino flicks but inglorious bastards just his performance in that is just breathtaking you know, he's in another movie called um, Carnage. Carnage? I think it's Carnage. Um, with uh, who's the who's the woman from uh, uh, Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster and John C. Riley. John C. Riley. And it's a two. Cu- it's a cup. Two couples in a room, right? Talking about their problems. Talking about yeah, they're they're brought there because one of their kids beat the crap out of yeah. the other kid. I remember then, that getting advertised, like them running like uh, ads on just like commercials and seeing it. Oh, it's not well known, but it's it's such brilliant commentary on marriage, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, relationships and. Well, I mean, he's also in uh, not only in Glorious Bastards, but Django Unchained, and he's the bad guy in uh, the newer. Um, James Bond movie. Ah, uh, yes. So, he's definitely not just a one-trick pony. He's done he's a lot man. of different films, and he's really good at it. And if you ever see his name pop across anything, give him a give him a look up because he's a pretty interesting fellow. Change your life. Yeah, hundred percent. But I, you know, I think I think that's a good good spot to end at. I think we've let's, really hit. Let's round it out with this. What's the yeah. worst meal you've ever had? Oh, does one come to mind for you? Um, 
Oh, I got it. I got it right now. Uh, you, I'm just going to need to help with the name. Okay. And it's actually a spot that you like. Oh, boy. Or did like. Okay. Um, I want to say it's um, – I, I could be off, but it's at the South Charleston Mound, and it's the Chinese spot beside the other spot that we go to all the time. And I think it's Main 10. Oh, Main 10. Main 10. Chinese buffet for anybody that doesn't know. And normally it's like a pretty popular lunch spot. Gosh, you've just been out to get that place ever since you ate their lo mein. Okay, so let me – yeah, so you did it. Like the lo mein that I had at Main 10, and this wasn't just like – I feel like I ate there more than once. But yeah. maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm making that up. But anyways, I ate the – like you got you to gotta certainly – like when you talk about restaurants and in the grand scheme of things, for my my likes and dislikes – if you fuck up the low main, I can't I can't give you my dollar. And that's just <laughs> how it is. If you're a Chinese restaurant and you screw up the low main, we can't be friends. And at I, main I, I and at main ten at main ten, the first time I ever ate there, I was scounging around the, the buffet bar, obviously. I was like, any any solid buffet bar, you're gonna you're gonna load down that first plate with a a, a healthy helping of noodles. And then layer the top with some sort of like protein and then maybe mix in some veg and some other things, a shrimp here, shrimp there, and, and round it out with like a, um, a uh, deep fried goodness in the form of like a wonton, you know, cream cheese yeah. wonton. So you got a little bit of everything there. You're hitting all basic food groups. True. Dude, when I bit through the level of like chicken to lo mein, you know, twirled my fork around. I'd already taken a bite of the wonton to check it out because, you know, these are staples inside the Chinese diet. And I feel like if you screw up any of the components of them, then like it's hard. It's hard to trust you on anything else like provocative because, uh, you know, as well as I do, Main 10 has a sushi side of it, too. They do. And <laughs> so they're, they're trying to give you a little bit of everything and they're they're really failing at it, in my opinion. So I bit through that first bite and my lo mein tasted like cigarettes. <laughs> and take it from a guy who smoked a cigarette a time or two in his life. Like I know what that tastes like. And Sorry, by no mean at ever any point in my life. Dad. She tastes <laughs> like cigarettes. <laughs> at any point in my life, I have never been like, mm, like I wanna I wanna scarf down a good cigarette right now. <laughs> <laughs> so so when I bit into that and it and I could smell I could taste smoke from a cigarette, I was like what is the guy in the back doing? Basically just firing mm. up heaters and blowing it into the low main? Like, Camel what's going crush. on mm. Like, hates his job, <laughs> hates his life, and now he's going to take it out in the low main? Like, what are you doing, man? You know? So, yeah, that, that, that to me, like, constitutes one of the worst meals I've ever had. Bar none. Now, easy. the consistent, their low main is consistently of Bad. that smoky quality. I'm not going to go so far as to say it tastes like cigarettes, but I do know what you're referring to. So I don't know if they just order from a different vendor or I don't know. Yeah, I don't even want to begin to even unpack that. Let's just leave it at that. It's All smoky right. lo mein and that the only smoke I ever want with any sort of food is my barbecue. So if you're trying to reinvent the wheel main tin, you need to stop. Like lo mein does not need to be cooked in the smoker or have cigarette smoke blown on it. Like you're not adding flavor profiles, bro. Like give it up. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. 
Well, I can give you two right now. And then go we'll, for it. We'll follow it a day. Yeah, go for it. All right. Oddly enough, both of these places are in Ohio. Um, <laughs> the first one was a, a Chinese place called China Garden. Yeah. Worst Chinese buffet I've ever been in in my entire life. In my entire I'm Ashley just walked in from from class. I'm I'm saying this. I'm putting I'm putting our relationship on the line here because I think that was like a family favorite uh, for them. But <laughs> really wrecking her childhood with that statement. But whatever. Uh, you, you know what? I'm I'm gonna. There, when I say this, I mean there's really no easy way to say this. I'm extremely arachnophobic. All right. <laughs> so I go up to the bar, which. Obviously, you know, if you go to a buffet, you're pretty much expecting it to be what it is. It's right. A, it's a breeding ground for bacteria. It's 100%. Just, it's, it's it, yeah. Flint, there was a spider in the buffet, on the buffet, like in one of the food <laughs> trays. A spider, a live spider crawling around. In so that speaks for itself then. Like, you don't even have to go any farther with that. That, the thing let's, hear, was, let's hear the second one. Okay. Well, hang on. Hang on. I, I can't let this go because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep you out of trouble with your girlfriend right now because you're talking no, it's okay. about a I've child. I've already said this to her. I've already said this to her. Okay. <laughs> it, I love dumplings. And this was in the dumpling tray. I had already eaten like three <laughs> before I went back to get more. And then I saw the spider. I could have eaten an entire nest of spider eggs. I don't know. <laughs> You know how terrifying that is? So entire meal ruined. ruined. Okay. Okay. Ruined. So <laughs> the uh, the next one, and she's going to agree with me on this one. We went to Spaghetti Warehouse in Dayton with yeah. her sister. I have never experienced it. Her sister drank her water before the food ever even came out. Never got a refill. So she had her whole meal with no drink. And the waitress, like, she would come and see that we didn't have any water. Our appetizer plates were still there. Never did anything about either one of those. We could hear uh, the trap wrap coming from the kitchen because we were right in the kitchen door. So they were jamming out. They didn't care. Ashley got those little fried donuts that you can get kind of like at Olive Garden. You know, you know those things? Like Zapolis or whatever. Yeah. Well, she got that. What they brought out was like if all of the the doughy material that they that they cooked the donuts with throughout the day had fallen off of the pan into the bottom of the oven and they scraped it out and put it on a plate and brought it to a table. That's what they gave us for for the donuts. So it was like a $50 bill, I think. I think we left her like maybe three or four bucks. Yeah. Are you not? All right. We're back for the last time. Yeah. So let's just. Sorry about that. It's all right. Let's round it out. You said main 10 with their cigarette low main. Yep. I'm saying China Garden with their spider dumplings and uh, spaghetti warehouse with their char donuts. So char donuts and you're out. Wait, let, let's ask Ashley. Ashley, she has some input here. Ashley is my girlfriend, for everyone that doesn't know. Um, oh, now she's shaking her head. She's she's getting 
She's a little okay. podcast shy. It's okay. Yeah, she'll come around. Yeah, she'll yeah. she'll, she'll uh, be introduced as a as a guest speaker. Oh, I can't wait for that one. Oh yeah, it'd be good. That'll be that'll be a good conversation. <clears throat> so, yeah, let's let's wrap it up. Um, basically, anchor, get your shit together, and stop with these like phone call interruptions. Yeah, we're important people. We got yeah, we got we, people trying we, to reach we're out. We're trying to get our opinion out across the masses. So now we got it. Now we got to edit and yeah, it's just a mess. Yeah, it'll be a mess. I feel like it's your job at this point. That's my job. Because <laughs> I got I got daddy duties also waiting on. Hey, we got we got a dirty doggy. We got to give a bath. Yeah, that's that's not gonna be any fun. But it smells like a dead animal. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's uh, that's this has uh, been Fork Buddies episode one point uh, two, and I hope you guys enjoy this. I, I think it was we didn't really you know get too redundant from the first one. That's anybody's going to hear. So I well, think hopefully was, we just we didn't botch it. Hopefully the people that enjoy it the first time actually want to hear this one again. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. I think this so. is, this is good. So again, like I said earlier in the podcast, I think going forward, we're going to start to like hit and talk about like certain places that we'd like and dislike and just dedicate podcasts to them. But there will also be some times where we're just, you know, just shooting the shit, talking about stuff and yeah. just totally organic and just being us. So yeah, I hope well, you guys enjoyed right. this. And uh, we look forward to doing it again. Don't know when the next one's coming, but we'll figure it out and get it out to you guys. Great. So this is um, this is Fort Buddy Express leaving the station. Choo choo choo. <laughs> choo choo pick up, choo. Pick up your forks and fork on. Fork on. That's right. That's right. And and we did a celebratory uh, That's um, glass tap. I, uh, hang on. Hang on. I need to give credit there. Ashley came up with fork on. I liked it so much. I had to throw it out. So, so um, at, at the the peril of plagiarizing that, I need well, to give credit to Ashley. Fork on, fork brothers. Fork on, fork brothers. And sisters. And sisters and binary folks that don't know what kind of sex they are. Yeah. So, all right, man. All right. Later. Later on. <laughs>